You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey friends, Dan Duvall here to remind you that the home of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall is on danduvall.com. This is where you can come to find all of our past podcasts and descriptions, as well as the opportunity to become a podcast patron, where you'll be able to uh, join our online community, access the podcast early, get exclusive discounts on merchandise, which can be found on our merchandise store at dandevall.com. We have all kinds of cool stuff, robes, flip-flops, shirts. Thank you for supporting us. And by the way, there's some great stuff. And you'll even see me at times wearing it on this very podcast. We also have another offering. It's called Overcomer Accelerated. At this opportunity, you'll be able to get coaching, live ministry demonstration as part of group coaching with me personally, a book study, and the entire institute that you can also find at bridemovement.com, but you get access to the whole thing on this platform for one monthly fee, as long as you're part of this program. And, and, and it's a lot of, I mean, over a hundred hours of, of teaching at your fingertips. You can start quarterly uh, every, every year now. We, we started with our pilot this past fall and starting in January, we'll start the next quarter. You can enroll at the beginning of the quarter and you can stop anytime. And we, we, we made this for survivors of, of, of brokenness and trauma backgrounds that wanted to have a learning experience centered around their healing journey. So check it out at overcomeraccelerated.com. Super cool program. And there are different price points which you can come in on. And you can also check us out at manifest.space, which is our private social network. We love putting people in community. You'll find some exclusive classes here and a lot of people that you can connect with. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Those were your announcements. Hey friends, it's time for another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, today, uh, my guest has requested to remain off camera. And so uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, you will find nice graphic. But we are sitting down today with a new friend and her name is Jerusha. I came to know her by way of one of our coaches on coach.bridemovement.com. And Jerusha happens to have one of the most fascinating stories you're going to come across. And and, and, and she is willing to tell us all about it. Now, I, I am, like you, listeners, going to be getting to know Jerusha as we go through this interview. So this is probably going to take some interesting twists and turns, which I am very excited about. But at the end of the day, we're going to do a couple of things. One, we're going to pull back the, 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 the curtain 
on the kingdom of darkness. And number two, we're going to glorify the name of Jesus. Jerusha, welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, first, I just want to advocate a little bit for Bride Ministries and give credit, you know, where credit is due. Um, I came across you guys a few years ago. I've been following you then, since then. And uh, I just did, I think it was eight sessions with Wendy and she was wonderful. And it's been the most breakthrough that I've gotten with deliverance so far. Um, Cause I've kind of been touch and go with different deliverance ministries and experiences. Um, so one thing that stuck out to me about Bride that it, it kind of sets itself apart from many others is the thoroughness and the completion of the work that gets done if one's hungry enough to to delve into that because for me I, I wasted a lot of time in the so-called truther movement back when and I realized that that was kind of a slippery slope when you're dealing with people that aren't filled with the Shekinah that don't have the Holy Spirit to guide you and mm. then so as a result, more oftentimes than not, the self gets glorified rather than our creator. Um, and the truth movement is also kind of co-opted by, I've seen many actors, intel and, and whatnot. So if you're not testing the spirit, you could be led down a path with someone who's possibly connected to every satellite and AI port in the universe and, and, or someone who's like on a biofeedback loop and that's been replaced decades ago and you wouldn't even have the discernment to know that so I just want to let people know that it's okay to realize um, some of the people that they recognize maybe even as kids if you knew them may not be the same people when you ask God for discernment to navigate um, into your own unraveling and get in alignment with him and he'll lead you to the right people the right places the the divine appointments that he has for you um, that are above and beyond anything that you've been searching for anyways. Mm -mm -mm. Well, you know, <laughs> to that point, you know, I'm still trying to figure out if the person that sits in the White House and calls itself Joe Biden is the same person <laughs> that campaigned with Barack Obama. And I, I cannot figure, well, <laughs> I kind of have come to my own conclusions, but you know, look, Jerusha, you come from a world of, of government projects where, 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 where the subject of time travel is not science fiction. It's science fact where mm -hmm. the uh, mind control extends to interface with quantum computing with, uh, holographic technologies and all kinds of inconvenient truths and 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 I'm I, I'm very very happy about your willingness and bravery to come on here to talk about it to put yourself out there and to explain what you yourself have witnessed firsthand and so I want to just open this up because my audience doesn't know you. And frankly, I'm mm -hmm. just getting to know you. But tell us a little bit about your childhood, what you may or may not know about your, your conception, and how you were groomed into the government projects that you were part of, among other things. Um, sure. Well, Bride helped me to clarify a lot of that and to look at a lot of my inner parts. 
and to not gloss over them, but to say like, what are you gonna do about it once you get the clarity, identify things. And um, it also helped to push through screen memories. So what I realized is that um, I did DNA tests, I think four years ago, my DNA didn't match uh, my family unit's DNA particularly. So I always knew that there were things off with it because a lot of us didn't even look alike whatsoever. And it kind of felt like, the black sheep like I was adopted or something in there so I found out that I'm a q552 base baby which is based in Canada and uh, that stemmed into project surrogate and my mother was basically a chimera and what that means is that she absorbed her twin in the womb and then she was born three months later so there's no way to actually prove that she's my mother then and sometimes they pick mothers that are just uh, functional to the point where they can raise a child and have that functionality, but still be used by the programs. Because um, her father was her handler, which would mean my grandfather was one of my first handlers too. So, and she was also having grand mal seizures the whole time that she was carrying me in the womb. And uh, she was a program multiple. Both my parents were, were program multiples. And some of her grand mal seizures probably were a result from her father electrotorching her while I was still in the womb too. Um, so before I was born, I was also sealed into the Salt Lake Temple in the womb. My dad was a 70 in the Mormon priesthood with Truman affiliations. And we lived by some neighbors. The first two names of the one neighbor was actually Harry Truman. And he they were inbred Trumans. And this guy looked like a Nazi. He married his first cousin and then their children were cognitively disabled. So we always had these very strange people around us growing up. And I thought that uh, certain things that would not be normal to a child's upbringing would be, which of course weren't. Um, so I was sold into the projects uh, as a baby, I believe. Um, but my DNA, I think, came from a very earlier origin, which would be cryostasis. Um, because they have cryostasis in space for the secret space program that's preserved. Um, Jan, she did a podcast with you. She was talking about these black coffins. And I know what she's talking about because I've seen them. They used to call them origin seed pods. And that's where they store DNA or original bodies. They do cryostasis in space in bases um, and on land and a lot in the Caucasus Mountains too. So I'm going to pause you there. All right. So <laughs> now. Um, for those of you that hadn't caught that, I did a podcast recently with with Jan, who is one of my clients, and we were talking about the subject of essence, and um, we connected the concept of essence to the concept of life. And in the conversation on that subject, we ran into the subject that there there is essence that precedes conception. Um, connected to who we are as what God has created. <clears throat> All life begins in Christ, but some of this essence was hijacked by Satan long ago. And in connection with that idea, Jan saw these, what looked to her like coffins mm -hmm. in the spirits. And um, so now you're here to tell me you are aware of the same thing and um, yes, that connects to DNA as well. Um, and wow. Okay. Please continue. It does. 
Um, that'll go into a later file, which is John Titer's file. Uh, we used to call him Johnny Boy. He was a boy that was in our group that grew up with us and they stretched out very, very far into time and into the program and he just let them stretch him out to the point of no return. <laughs> but his people like him have their original bodies hijacked. And this is also something that I don't think people realize the um, just the utter disarray of body hopping and what they can do with bodies. And so they, it's like they hid his original body or they can um, keep your original body so that they can send you out into other bodies so that you lose track of perhaps that original body. And then they use that as like a carrot on a string to try to keep using you to the projects so that you think that you're gonna return to your original body, which sometimes sadly never happens. So you're Can kind I, of like a disembodied oh almost. Okay, so I have to say this just as a confirming fact of, of what you're saying. And then we, because we got to get to your story, but all right. I, um, I talked to one person who was part of the, the projects at Montauk. Um, and one of the things they recounted to me as they witnessed seeing was uh, a transference of consciousness they were taking people out of their original bodies and putting them in other bodies that were essentially hybrid clone bodies. They, they were taking some DNA and mixing it with other stuff. And it was, you know, enhanced super soldier type, whatever. But then they were taking the original bodies and burning them. So there was no, and this was told to me mm -hmm. uh, on another occasion I was working with a, a client and I met someone who was in their body and, 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 and the, the, the individual was much older than the client that I was working with. And, and, and so I started talking to, they came to the surface kind of like an alternate personality was, you know, how old are you? And it's like, oh, 90 something years old. Well, my client's wow. not that old. I said, what's your name? And of course it was a person, it, they had a different name and they said this to me, they said, you know, I'm part of the secret space program. My body was aging out, but they need me to do my job. So they pulled me out of my body. They gave me a post in this person's body and I no longer have mine. And they call me out of this person's body. I do missions off planet. And then they put me back here until they need me again, which is often. And the, the memories that are mine are the memories that have started leaking through to her consciousness that she can't place. And then this person began to tell me all kinds of secrets. And so, okay, I found that ran years ago, Jerusha. Wow. And wow. I'm, you know, all along the way, I see this world, it, but in snippets and windows, uh, please continue. <clears throat> yeah, I know they can do that. And also the AI can trick you, and I've seen this with other kids, into thinking that that happened to keep you going too. So um, once again, discernment is everything <laughs> in these wow. types of projects. Um, and that also stems into another thing, which we'll get into later too, called Emerald City Reanimated Soldier Programming. Um, but yeah, that that is a fact. And it's very sad that that's happened to to many, but we were trained in what's called ghost protocol and how to pop out of our bodies, how to contain astral matter in 
um, glass tubes or step into a cylinder. A lot of this tech even evolved into portable tech and stuff like that. So that's entirely possible. Um, there's even chairs you can sit in that stretch your body in different ways and can, um, can transfer a whole soul matrix or consciousness. And Scientology is involved with that, of course, and Mormons are very high up with that too. Okay, so you were born into a Mormon household on the surface, but you believe you are a Q552 base baby, who, who basically that's a base in Canada. Your mom was a, a, a chimera and, and she, she was used to be, I guess, your birth mom. And yeah. uh, she was also programmed and your grandfather was a handler for both you and your mom. So, so, so tell me a little bit about what you know of your childhood and how they moved you into the projects. Um, my grandfather also handled my father too, which was very strange. And he was giving him doses of adrenochrome. But um, later on, I realized that I was also called a Gen 5 super soldiers. At age three, I was sent to Montauk, rank Omnicord from the, the super soldier program, and then into the secret space program from there, which was called Solaris X1. And that was post Solar Warden. And that carries a subclassification of time agent, which is something I'll get into later too, because that also needs to be disclosed that there's an actual thing of like, kind of like a time bureau. I know that um, some movies kind of um, make it animated and in a really ridiculous way, all the time travel stuff, but there is a little bit of truth in some of those files. Um, so both my parents were program multiples. Uh, majority events with their altars happened in the Ozarks, which I wrote a whole book about the Ozarks and all the stuff that happened in Oz because it was original Oz programming. Uh, my father was also um, adrenochrome dosing, like I said, and what he had was something in his basement that a lot of people aren't aware of too, and it was called an ancient evil lantern. And one night this guy brought this lantern down to him and what these lanterns contain, they were like very special prized possessions of the occult and what they contain something called veil fire. And the veil fire has the ability to, when it's opened, um, create a corridor between dimensions or open realms. And it's kind of like compressed pain and it's used um, as that strange fire when the sacrifices happen and then they put it in a, in a lantern. So he had a lot of stuff, a lot of military stuff going on with him and stuff that he did in Rock Lake, Wisconsin, um, which has a lot of 10 black pyramids on the bottom, which are Nephilim graveyards. Um, me and Wendy went into that. I can get into that another time. But my sister was a hybrid. Um, she looked very Asian. My three brothers were all Montauk boys with celebrity ties and handlers from the cloning centers too. And they all sold out, I would say at a pretty young age um, because they were never the same. And my grandfather was an Egyptian shape-shifting um, child serial killer for the Masons in my locality. And his wife, my grandma was an Illuminati breeder who had over 16 pregnancies, never worked, uh, never drove um, and just basically bred and was very, crazy and lost in her mind. And there's missing babies too. Um, she's always talking about these babies. So I don't know if some of those babies got 
sacrificed or what happened to them. Like one baby she said was born and died the same day and you know other stories like that. So and from their gene pool also came Middle Eastern ties. And then I also told you about the genealogy findings. So I go into the Mormon database, mm -hmm. use the barcode number. Everybody has a barcode, right? So I have access to 5 million records right there. I spent all night trying to research their genealogy and see if it matched up. What I found was that this Mormon genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. And I only could access it for a day or two and then they blocked me from it. And it's like they erased it because I logged in again and it, it was just gone. I printed out some of it too though. So they had wow. Adam, they're absolutely obsessed with it. And, um, and Paul in the Bible warned about this to not be obsessed with endless genealogies like the Masons are and whatnot. So they actually had Adam tied to a woman named Azura, A-Z-U-R-A, and a woman named Pleiade One. Now this Azura or the Pleiade One, I'm thinking might have been Lilith as like an original name, maybe a root name. And then they had all the, all the bloodlines from Charlemagne, um, the God Kings, People that go past the Sherwood family, there was an actual King Gandalf. You know, there's Bluebeard, there was Sigurd Snake Eyes. There was actually in the Mormon genealogy, they have Thor Altra Or and Odin Woden. All of those people are actually in there listed as actual people. Um, I don't know if these entities that bred with the humans gave them like the giant mutations, demigod epigenetics, or what happened, but they have them all listed as. Um, in the pedigrees so then okay so all right i have to say something jerusha mm -hmm. um, all right so so obviously i'm not just like an interviewer that's gonna sit here go, blah, 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 you know while you talk <laughs> um because everything that you say triggers me because of other data points i know here's the interesting thing um in in christian conversation uh, a lot of researchers have tried to make the Genesis six event. And of course they lead into a book called one Enoch where you what was it called one, one Enoch, which is the book oh, of Enoch. I don't think I read that one. Oh, okay. Oh, well, okay. I'll, I'll tell you. So the, there in that book, uh, they, they, it talks about how the, the watchers descended on, um, the Mount Hermon, and they basically, as Azazel is their leader, um, and, and some Jazza, you have two, the, the two of them, and and they're like, uh, basically bind an oath of mutual imprecations and begin to go after these women. They teach them all of these arts like astrology and makeup, and they teach people how to make war, and, and then they start having children. So you have these essentially fallen angels that are picking human wives and then they they are giving birth to giants and so this book of right. one enoch really kind of expands on genesis 6 where it says the sons of god came into the daughters of men that's the term b'nai elohim and a lot of people right. have centered on that and said you know this is a real center of the conspiracy they this is when the nephilim and this is when genetic hybridization begins on the earth and they, they want to make the conversation very simple. You have these 
fallen angels come, there's this incursion, and then we have to figure out how we get to today. And, and what I'm realizing over time, Jerusha, at, at, from so many different sources, is that it's an incomplete uh, frame. You can't map every incursion and every interception of human bloodlines and timelines to that single event. There's right. a much bigger picture at play. And, and you, you, you brought up this word Azura. I've never heard of that before. But as soon as you said that, my mind goes to the Azurites, which is this off-planet oh. group. And, and, and the Azurites seem to be very connected into the Illuminati agenda as an off-planet group. And so when you said Azura, I'm like, what? But please, um, I, I just wanted to point that. I, what I want- That audience, is very interesting. What I want the listening audience friends to, to do is to say, okay, we are walking into a season where God is going to pull back the veil more. And if you thought that by believing that the biblical Nephilim is a real thing and the sons of God did come into the daughters of men and, and, and hybrids have led to some of the sciences and what they're doing in the, you know, their efforts to bring about a new world order in our generation, um, it's time to expand beyond that because there's an even larger narrative and that's a gate into it. And so with that said, but please continue. Mormon yeah. genealogies. That makes me wonder if they were inserting these off-world entities that they still worship, because many sites have been taken down, and we've actually taken down in the secret benevolent secret space program uh, ritual sites that the Mormons were worshiping a fallen angel at. But what I found also is that there was uh, the middle of all their genealogy pulled into this one area past the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, and all that. There was a ring bearer family too, into this grail king that they called Thuriel Emmanuel, T-H-U-R-I-E-L. So I know that in Jesus Christ's time, when he was on earth, there were other false messiahs. And maybe this was an Emmanuel that was one of those false messiahs. So just thought I'd throw it out there. Wow. But wow. continuing. Um, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> so you went to Montauk. At age three, I was when my first, you know, pinpointed memory is to being taken there. I was uh, raised at a place called Star Avenue, ironically, mm -hmm. and it was a weird neighborhood with all the planet names around the neighborhood, like Uranus and Neptune and Mars and all that. So there was uh, an airport just a fourth of a mile down the road, and my grandfather was flying me out at night from that airport, and then I would come back home. And then I started going to Montauk at age three and kind of developed a, a resonance and an eventual Stockholm-like acceptance of being there up into my teen years. And I called myself Gene 7 there uh, because they did many experimentations with uh, the seventh gene for me. They, they called original children there, original 80s kids like numbers, like one, two, three, four, five, you know, it was of course original 11. And I was there after Project Phoenix one and two, that original group of 80s kids. And they also called us primes or galactic primes because we survived all their, all their tests and trials and we were there the longest. Um, it's like they kept us there the longest. Um, but the thing is, is that Montauk didn't only just 
stay right at Long Island, even though they had frequency grids and other things to keep you there, it stemmed out into other areas like Minnesota had a Montauk little mini project and other areas of the country. Um, so then we would be switched out. We did rapid clone learning there. Um, they actually had a clone house there where they made separate other us's, other bodies of us. And then they would get into a limo and be taken back into our life and we would have to stay there. So I knew, you know, with these memories that I was definitely sold into those secret projects probably since a baby. Uh, they did a lot of electrogravitic experimentations with us there at the towers. And they actually videotaped some of the kids walking off of that tower because they developed a type of plasma like buoyancy there. And it was like a blue thin film that could even, you could feel on your skin and you could almost bounce off the ground there because it was such saturation uh, with constant inundation of frequencies and whatnot. And the ones who survived there, I say they became an extension of the Montauk Tower and its phantom pulses. Uh, because of this, it's like they absorbed so much of it. They couldn't shut down the energy that was on there. And it's in a lot of the books too. And there's still phantom pulses going on because um, they couldn't control the energy at the end. And, you know, they can track the signals and relay in various Montauk projects around the world still with the pulses. And Looking Glass was the same. The kids who survived all that became an extension of Looking Glass. So they actually were codenamed Looking Glass themselves as people. Um, what they had there was like pre-CERN computers that they took all the research and that all got branched off into Hydra, which is a spin-off project from Plum Island. Um, Plum Island had a Resident Evil file. It was nothing but dead things on Plum Island. So a large portion of my time was um, also being raised in the Kansas City base as well which is as big as Kansas City itself. And from there, I was given the name Mother Echo too. And I was primarily switched out from Wisconsin, Missouri, and Arkansas. Um, and then all the files that I had in Montauk too. So me and Wendy, what we did is a lot of work uh, with certain screen memories, pushing past those. So what a screen memory is, is that it, it, your spirit is telling you something more is here. And mm. then your spirit will step forward and move past that screen to push through that event and just see it for what it really is and start seeing things for how they really are. Um, one screen memory, I can give an example, is I was being drowned at a pond at a place called Carson Park in Wisconsin. And... A, a officer, a cop, and my grandfather, after I get off the airplane, would drown me in this pond and videotape it. And the weird thing is, is that um, they had some type of brain interface technology going on because when they would do that to me or certain things, it would be broadcast and shared as a viewed experience to the other kids. And it's like they would be feeling the same things that I was feeling. And it's, um, so it, it's kind of hard to determine what's and identifying what's yours and what's not because we did a lot of this brain interface and shared experiences. And In other words, you could be shattering over someone else's trauma through this brain interface. Even yeah, and they would do that wow. to put fear into other kids. Like this is what's going to happen to you because we were so close and so bonded, some of us. And they knew that we were very connected 
So it's like I could share that experience with somebody or they laid us on tables sometimes um, with the brain interface actual hookups to be able to share that. So again, discernment will definitely come into play as a critical resource um, in your unraveling. And in that ghost protocol that I said, which goes way beyond remote viewing, it's actually like hijacking bodies and piloting bodies. Um, because if anybody survived the secret space program, they know that they have been in hundreds of bodies. We have been in female bodies, we've been in male bodies. They have holographic technology that can change appearances even. We've been age regressed and we've been aged advanced. Um, so, I mean, there's only one funny memory I have of the age regressing. And um, I just remember I was a, a little girl. I was really glad to be in a little girl body. <laughs> And my voice was so raspy and hoarse as like an old, a swearing like a sailor in a little kid's body. And when you come fresh out of that age regressing, your voice is, is very um, harsh for hours, but then it wears off after a while. So the movie Spectral also shows, it shows uh, people in a lab retaining a part of a spinal cord. Um, they do this because they know that within our stem cells within our bone marrow, our matter is the most uh, cellular memory in our bone marrow. And that creates like a suspension-like state. And in that movie, then they use that as an anchor point to transfer the rest of the soul matrix and create a body um, overlaying that. Because you have to have some anchoring point or some tethering point with spirit, soul, consciousness um, to create a new body that will functionally work together and carry that signature everybody has their own unique signature to carry that on so many so many jump off points jerusha i um in talking to you before we did this interview said look we're gonna have to zero in on um one thing and and of course what's gonna happen in in listeners yeah i apologize but there's no other way to do this um, we're going to talk about something until we hit a point where we have to make an inconvenient cliffhanger conclusion and, and, and then talk more later. There's, there's a lot sure. here, but you wanted to explain to us, Jerusha, quantum access programs. And this is something I haven't broached as a subject on this podcast before. So we got a little bit of your background, obviously. Um, there's a lot more to be said. What is a, a quantum access program? The quantum access programs were all the research that was gathered in all the other programs, basically, to create the, the mega program, the ultimate program, which they're totally obsessed with, which is the time travel program. So, I mean, you could kind of can join all that into the time travel program because it's still ongoing. And within that, the people who are unlocking, um, they have something on their temples that I just refer to as like time caps. And it feels like some of the stuff is time unlocked because when I first started unraveling, my temples were the first thing that got hit really hard and unlocked. And it came in like waves. And what that does is it ensured our, our sanity because 
when they threw us out into all these programs, you know, they stretched us out for hundreds of years. What they do, if we had a lot of mismanagement, yes, but then we also had some good management, is they they put you back together so you're all good back into civilian life before you're put back into civilian life so that you're still able to, to function and be able to work on signals of relay, which is what they want, the signals of relay systems at a determined time ahead. So what I have seen in this point, the people that I've contacted with that were part of the quantum access programs is that they seem to be pincering off certain time loops interfacing with their past or other selves with minimal side effects. And what that means is, okay, you you jumped somewhere from 1984. Mm. Now you're in your body here, 2022. And if you cross paths and you interface with that person, say you're just jogging past that person, you share that consciousness, that link, and you pincer off that time loop. So how we jumped and what we did in the past is having an effect now and what we're doing is we're interfacing with all our past jumps because we jumped quite a bit and what they did is with the super soldier they stretch you out to every possible limit you know mentally physically whatnot it's not just about being physically tough and and militant it's way beyond that it's like um they're going to kill you can you jump out of this body type situation whatever they can think of things like that so they developed this thing to see who could last longest in the program called Foursquare. And what that was is they tested to see how much consciousness could be stretched out. And can you operate one body, pilot one body with your consciousness, or can you pilot two bodies, three bodies, or the most four bodies with your consciousness? So they found out that some, some couldn't and some um, freaked out about this, but some actually could pilot four different bodies at once. So if you got sent into a mission, of course, it would give you the ultimate strategic advantage to be the consciousness operating of four different bodies. And things that they did in the program were kind of ingenious like that. And the use of masking identity, they even downgraded our DNA to, to change our identity. Um, the worst was actual plastic surgery and things like that. So we actually preferred um, and got reliant on the technology instead of uh, having surgical or other means to continue in the time continuum. Okay. So in your experience, um, were you able to pilot four bodies or three or two? And, 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 and can you I just was... zero in on one memory of, of that concept? I definitely do. Um, we, and I don't know where this happened along the line. We were in a bad faction of the secret space program, taken up with people, crafts that were manned with people in white, with manufactured beings. And that was actually manned by an AI called Marduk Ra. So um, somewhere along the line, that mismanagement changed. And it's like we got into um, a faction that was benevolent, where we got to actually have some type of... Um, it was almost like we got to have vengeance because they let us go into SRA ritual sites, castles, um, things like that. Areas where there is a lot of rituals, loose energy, that would be too much if it continued and we would be able to take down those places. 
So I actually enjoyed doing that quite a bit <laughs> because it felt like we, we got some justice when we were doing those things. And, um, and we got a lot more freedom being able to, to do stuff like that on those certain types of missions. And you'd have multiple bodies on the field in these missions. Yes, but I believe that our original bodies were kept on the ship. Okay. And they also did something called the Centurion program. And what this program did is it gave the foundational basis for a super soldier. And you would be trained going back to medieval times. You'd be trained in the 1500s, the 1600s, the 1700s, the 1800s, the 1900s, and learned every type of combat and warfare possible because you'd be able to, um, to ingrain that into your memory and be able to use it and they call it out um, and it just kind of like layered upon each other to build the combat oriented person that they wanted wow all right so um well the quantum domain mm -hmm. is basically quantum access space wars space files that's just what i call it So the quantum access programs are tied to their big overarching time travel mega baby plan <clears throat> objective, so forth. Now, definitely um, talk about quantum access programs and their connection to underwater bases, black sites, dumps, and so forth. Well, with that, I think they're all connected because the the stars in the universe themselves uh, reflect into the water. It's kind of like a mirroring. And so I think they build some of these, some of the land bases they build off of the holes, the caverns that were, were you know, drilled before the antediluvian times. But underneath the water bases, I think, are built upon the structure of certain star maps and certain star systems to be able to have that overlay easier. And as kids, I think that they tracked us uh, if we were underwater doing those programs with, um, I don't know what you call these things. I just call them scanner balls. It was the ball that would come from the sky and you'd see it come from like a star and it would zip into your house and then it would stop in a doorway and you'd be paralyzed. Your your spine would feel like it's paralyzed in a doorway and this little ball would open up and it would just scan your body. And it was like just something that we got used to. And then the ball would leave and zip back up into the sky and go back to where it came from. So the underwater bases are very linked with the constellations, which are intelligences because um, says that the Battle of Sisera, the stars came down and battled on Earth. There's a big interplay with that. <laughs> now, okay, all right, yeah. Um, in your experience, were you in underwater bases that were um, primarily under the governance of what I'd call alien entities, government? underground or underwater bases or underwater bases that were under the government of like some of these um, fallen they started angels us out, and merfolk. 
they started us out in lakes and those are mainly run by military. And then once okay. you get past the lakes and the lake monsters, whatever crazy things they do with you down there, uh, then they move you out into higher water bases, the Sea of Azov and other things. Montauk's water base, there was a big one underneath there. They were trying to call Cthulhu and other things underneath there. And that base, I just have very short memories of being flooded because I think that the military came into Montauk and there was a, like a little war going on on the surface and then the underwater base got flooded. Um, but if you wanna hear an experience about stars and our connection to stars, um, in counseling, when I was talking to Wendy, we unraveled something about the heart mm -hmm. and something about the stars. So mm -hmm. what I learned from her in that session was that God wants to reveal areas of our hearts that aren't surrendered yet. Uh, so mm -hmm. what this cult did with me is that they told me that my heart was gone and replaced it with a stone. So I was carrying the stone around and putting it in my pocket. And they had trained me to, to sing the song, catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. And if I wanted my heart back. So what I would do is I go outside and I'd sing that song and I'd look up at a certain star. What I didn't know is that, you know, I was waiting for my heart to return. The heart didn't come back. You're actually calling upon the eye of Taurus, Aldebaran. And they had already programmed you to do that. So instead of getting your heart back, which is so cruel how they did this, then you would get abducted in my lab into Aldebaran. And maybe that was connected to a base or whatnot. But um, so I had to clear out those secret vows and oaths in my heart because I was so angry. I put the stone in front of my house and I vowed to um, hurt anybody that tricked me or lied to me again. Um, and a lot of supernatural things happened because of that rock that was there and the ties to it. So, and that also ties in with liberation of our stars. And they get, they got me at a very young age with a lot of star um, type of programming and my star being, you know, overlorded by evil entities. But also in this, the house that we grew up on, it had, I put the antichrist ring that I had also in my pocket um, that I was wearing from the ritual of the marriage of the antichrist at age five uh, on train tracks that were behind our house. And I put a piece of tape on it, but God honored that. And I don't know if the ring actually broke because I never found it. But when the train came, there was sparks that flew and I saw spirits uh, getting moved around. So. Wow. So that was good that he cleared my heart with that because I had no idea that I was holding things in my heart like that. Here's the thing, uh, star programming is a very real thing. There is a lot of, there's a lot of programming done around stars and, 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 and it has everything to do with calling office, destiny, purpose, uh, <clears throat> hijacking of legitimate giftings that God has given. I, and you know, it, oh, wow. This is very deep. But, you know, one of the ministry things that we do at Bride is, is we actually liberate people's stars. Most people don't even know they have a star um, or multiple ones. And, and we do that. And it, and it really brings life into alignment with God's purposes because the occult hijacks people's stars literally. But then there'll also be all the star programming. Um, it, it's, it, it's, 
there's so much there. Okay. Anyway, I <laughs> talking about quantum access programs and the the the, the connection. So so if I'm going to put this together, right, you said that these are tied to the overarching time travel agenda. And, and they're, they're processing this agenda in different places. And, and C bases yeah. would definitely be included in that. Also, black sites and, and dumbs. Yeah, I think it's um, everything that they gathered and collected and that the Nazis gathered and collected and what NASA and every other faction that was at Montauk gathered and collected. Um, because Anunnaki were also at Montauk. There was also CIA and FBI wars at Montauk and just all kinds of stuff there. So I think that all went into what they just deemed as quantum, like who could handle uh, the quantum domain and realm and keep going in the time continuum, who they basically had a hard time killing and who survived. Um, okay. We're very strange, go ahead. No, please finish your thought. Um, well, I'll give a brief synopsis, but I do remember the Anunnaki at Montauk and the, the strangest thing that I remember from them was that they were literally kidnapping children from Montauk and taking them up into spaceships. And at that point, I realized like, this is gonna be hard to you know explain to people like, yeah, there's missing children on earth, but like, how are you gonna go find missing children in space on a spaceship? So that's a whole other testimony of how God is concerned and how he actually is involved with that when they do things like that and steal his children and bring them to remote places. So, but they had stuff, these Anunnaki that were like black suction hoses. Mm. And what they did is they put these bands around our necks and these were frequency bands of some sort that connected to the AI in the building that would keep us locked in the building whose AI computer mother computer actually melted once but the ships that they used and the technology was some type of nanotech that it would look like a garden hose with black oil on it and they would suction it into the sun to get their energy it looked like something like the sun some plasma energy for their ships but it would expand like the size of a city block so this type of nanotech was just crazy and that it could morph and change form so fast. So you didn't want to be infected with this type of black oil nanotech because the people that did get infected by it or the adults soon just um, got very decrepit and it affected their minds very fast. And there's a movie called Oats that kind of portrays this visual of these reptilians. Wow, okay. Were you one of the kids? that the Anunnaki kidnapped into space. See, I don't think I went on the one ship. I remember holding on to a child's shoe and trying to get them off of the ship, but they had these devices that they use almost like staffs that would, um, it felt like you had a heart attack if they touched you with it. So a lot of kids tried to not let them abduct the kids, but they got repelled by this. But whatever faction I got involved with, I think was part of Mormonism because the people that I was with were like the white brotherhood of the light on my ship, my first initial ship. And they had like a triangle symbol and they really brainwashed the children. And I remember it was very hard to break from them not breaking into my mind. 
Um, it, and it, they, they show the nosebleeds a lot because that is a mental real battle that I've seen many times. My brother used to have narcolepsy with nosebleeds all the time. When, when you're interfacing with an entity that powerful, you have to shift your eyes because they'll first control your eyes. So you can't move your eyes. And then that goes into your neck and spinal cord, and then you become paralyzed. So you have to shift your eyes and gain control of that in a circular movement first. Wow. But they brainwashed the kids into thinking that they were like queens of certain lands and whatnot. And uh, that's the first time that I actually saw an angel in space, outside of a spaceship. And from then I started having um, I started having moments where I met God and then angels that I interfaced with because I just felt like I was like becoming just a cog in the wheel, like a robot at this point. And I knew that it wasn't God's destiny and purpose for me. And that was my false future. So the angels that I would speak to gave me choices and they would say like, do you want to go like say with this entity or do you want to be with God or do you want to serve God? And then my free will would step in and then it would expand and that would bring a doorway. And I realized that my captivity got less and less each time that I chose God. And when you honor God, he will honor you. So even when you were in craft and off planet, and it sounds like you weren't taken by the Anunnaki, you were taken by this white brotherhood connected to Mormonism. Mm -hmm. You were given by God the option to choose him and his angels were directly involved in those, I guess, choice moments. And even in this world of the secret space program, the more you were choosing God all on a very super, it's not exactly like you had a local evangelist with the Bible that just went from ship to ship, delivering the word of the Lord. Um, your bondage was no. loosening. That's the goodness of God, though, because he knows if you are deep, deep in space or hidden or buried somewhere that nobody can find, he will use anything. Um, I've seen him use things in the woods. I have seen him use animals. I have seen him in space use an angel to communicate with you, um, to have the opportunity and the option. Because um, after I would choose him and say, no, I don't want to go with them. And um, then the gospel would be presented to me. And then it's like, I started getting it written in my heart. And the first time I met an angel, um, I just saw like a, his robe just had like a little sliver of light open up in it. And it was like corridors of light. It was the coolest thing I, I ever saw as a kid because it was just sparkling light that just, I didn't even know where it came from. It just, it, it was never ending what was inside of his robe. I just wanted to see more and more of it, but I just had a short window of time with him. Okay, well, um, friends, here's the good news, right? Um, there's a lot of bombs being dropped in this particular podcast. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you can always rewind and watch from the beginning a second time. Um, <laughs> praise God for podcasts. Now, here's the thing, Jerusha. You know, years ago, when God started preparing me for this work, one of the things he started talking to me about, which was too weird for me to just get up on there and start telling people is he started talking about the people in space. He's like, there's a lot of people off planet. 
and I have a plan. That's right. And, and, and it, it just, it came out of left field. Cause I was probably trying to talk to God about, you know, uh, upcoming prayer meeting or worship, so, you know, like something practical. And he started talking to me like he usually does. I mean, he was went off the reservation and I'm thinking, what the heck? And, and then I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time meditating that like, if there, if, because I was still in that place, <clears throat> If there are people off planet, if 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 there is this world that is just too fantastic for me to believe, how would God possibly work a plan for people off planet? And and and, and I love that you're actually describing the nature of that plan. Like it is, there is a plan. God's he's he's not planning on; it's already happening, and it's been happening longer than we've known there is problem what's the good news is that the more people become aware of this and become and, I, and i'm saying this to my listening audience like aware that um praying into the cosmic sphere is part of our mandate in this generation because of what's happening the more accelerated the work of heaven becomes that's the good news so we have to recognize and this is part of the reason for this podcast. We're discovering truth. We didn't even know what our assignment sphere was. I, at least I didn't. Yeah, he is concerned with what happens in space. Okay. Absolutely. It says he hides himself uh, in dark clouds. He knows everything. It's not like somebody just gets lost in time or they say, oh, we're going to assassinate you in time and you know dispose of you and he'll just lose a person. That doesn't happen. He knows every single thing that goes on. So I really love the two scriptures I gave you. I think it was Job 26, 14, that he's in the fringes. And he really opened me up to that. He really is in the fringe of the fringe and that all timelines, he can just correct in his heart and he can do, he can take care of anything in time because he's in the time continuum. And I met him in the time continuum. And that's why I'm alive. And then the other scripture I gave you, I can't remember what it was, John 5, I think, about he gives life to whoever he pleases. And I asked him about, you know, all the stuff with the body transfers and whatnot, and even the guilt and shame and condemnation that can come with that. And that's the scripture he gave me for that, that this does even apply to clones, because a lot of people don't even realize that they are clones on earth. And we're living in a time where, you know, there's not everything here is alive. So once you're written in the book of life, God says that he will give his life to whomever he chooses. Well, and can we, if we could just take a brief sidebar and, and talk about clones. Um, there's a few things that, because, okay, from what I'm hearing, you have spent time in clone bodies. Yes. Okay. And when you were in the clone bodies they built for you, you were still human. You were still you in those bodies, correct? I was, I probably spent more time than what I should have, but I learned, and they called us anomalies from this, is how to bypass a brain chip. And this is very hard to describe for someone who obviously hasn't been, you know, battling uh, to get out of a situation or a clone body, but it takes uh, a great amount of spirit and um, driving your spirit through your consciousness to a point to break that brain chip and get out that door. But we learn how to do things like that organically, naturally, and with angelic instruction. So, you know, 
we became anomalies in the system to them because of that, because God was helping us. He didn't want us to stay trapped. You know, um, I, I, because I, I train coaches to do this work, right? And, 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 you know, part of the whole deal is you have to understand who you're serving. And, and I, I, this is going to sound so strange for some people, but when I train my coaches, I tell them, you know, look, you will sit in front of clones and the people that are in these clone bodies won't necessarily know they are mm-hmm. in a clone body, but some might. And when you sit in front of a clone, you treat that ministry session similarly as you would if, if it was not. And the reason why is because you're dealing with humanity. Yes. And, and, and you know, I never thought like 10 years ago, I'd be instructing people on, on <laughs> the ethics <laughs> of ministering to a clone <laughs> body. But here we are. And you're helping me to explain that to uh, other people. So thank you, Jerusha. But there was no phone book back then where you could look up uh, deliverance from cloning center. No, (laughs) you know, there still isn't. No. (laughs) Okay. So I want to come back. So we're talking about quantum access programs and kind of mapping this whole podcast to that as as much as possible. (laughs) I don't know if we're doing a good job or not, but it's fascinating. So spend a little bit more time. You said the word Hydra. Now, most of us, at least me, right? The only Hydra organization that I know exists in Marvel comic books. Mm-hmm. And so when you say that, it's like, oh, okay. Um, what? Is there a real Hydra? And, and um, why don't you go ahead and also talk about Long Island and Plum Island? Well, with the Hydra, that's just something that we nicknamed it too, because okay. we've okay. had so many interfaces with the octopus entities and the way that it branched off and those programs from Montauk, it definitely was a Hydra and it was water sea based um, and all the research that that got the continuation from that. Um, and plus, even when I was young, I would sit in the Mormon churches and I would see the Mormon what it's called mormo i think the octopus float over people's heads and i've seen that entity that octopus entity um, my brother actually got infected by one in his spine and it was kind of like jellyfish would float around and then he needed glasses and couldn't see right after that so um, i've interfaced with that octopus entity a lot and in cloning centers they had them there too and also quetzalcoatl was at Long Island as well. So they had very ancient things that they called there. And the hardest thing to deal with there, I mean, we could deal with the projects, we could deal with the computers and, you know, events and other things. But for me, the hardest thing to deal with at Long Island was the Black Thule Society and the Black Sun programming that came there. Um, After that, I mean, they had Druids there, they had the world's highest sorcerers there who were literally fighting children. So, I mean, if you think about that, that is just crazy how that accumulated to such a point where these children that they took, I know are God's prophet seeds. And what I realized is that they tried to use the technology to go back in time to find out who the remnant was, who will destroy the beast and stand at the seashores at the end of time. 
and then they tried to take them out of time, steal them out of time, literally, and kill them. And every time they tried to do this, it just, it never worked for them because if, for one, if they can't kill you, they try to completely make you like them or have you completely controlled so that your thoughts become their thoughts and stuff. Those are the only two things that they would always resort to because that's the way they think. Okay. So the, yep, go ahead. Um, the Black Thule Society was doing um, horrible things there and rituals. And then they had a green building there um, where Aquino and some others um, were also brainwashing the children. And they had, I talked about this on um, Mastering Montauk with Jerusha. And what they had was they had a big uh, Nazi flag in the building and we were in regalia. Then they had an American flag and they were brainwashing the kids um, through, through Nazi theology and doing the, the blood bonding, which got them further into the programs. And a lot of kids didn't know where they were for one, when they got taken there. Because for one, they tried to make you think that you were in Germany, like, because you're in uniform and like you're in Nazi Germany. So they heavily um, confused you. They uh, had lunch bags for us there that were brown paper bags that had a certain type of pill at the bottom of them. I don't know what that was for. Uh, they also had the, the people that are talking about seeing kids in cages, that was real. And that was right outside of where we would eat literally, and there was a hallway where they had a bunch of cages and they would walk the ones, the kids that they kept, you know, if you were part of the programs, they would walk you um, on a leash through that hallway all the time. And there was a CIA complex in the back of Montauk. There was um, many different components to it. But everything you did there was uh, videotaped somehow. Every hallway, um, everything was being monitored. They had crafts in the air that were silent and also cloaked and invisible. Um, so every, you had no privacy. And in growing up in bases, you had no privacy either because they would record even everything you said and broadcast it. And it's just complete theft of intellectual property vaults. Um, what was Quetzalcoatl like? Quetzalcoatl was, to me, he looks like a bloodthirsty white dragon. And I know the Mormons have a, they favor Quetzalcoatl for some reason. I mean, they've even called him Jesus at certain points, which is disgusting. But somehow that entity got invoked there. And there was like a serpent energy that we also battled there. And it was on this little island. Um, and they... I don't know how they did this. You know, you can channel the Kundalini in your spine or whatnot, but it seemed like they channeled serpent energy up through the tower itself and tried to broadcast that out. Whatever this tower was doing, I don't know the scientific complexities of the tower. I just remember experiences. Um, they would aim it actually at certain planets too. So I think that they were uh, maybe trying to invoke certain intelligences from other planets. Uh, with the tower technology and other things and opening up portals. A bloodthirsty white dragon. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this he was like 
some things physically manifested there yes uh-huh. but to me he was more uh astral mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the reptilians physically manifested and again i don't know how they use this technology but what i would see when a, a reptilian would manifest is a green light that would open up as an aperture like a little swirling dot in the mm-hmm. sky and you could hear it and i think it's dna activated by sound and frequency so the green light would come through and then those beings would come through and they also had technology to create a dome over an area say if you were going to fight with these things that would blanket it um soundproof type of barrier so like nobody knew what was going on there because they couldn't hear it for one um and maybe they couldn't see it now you also mentioned the black sun obviously this screams uh nazi philosophy because they dealt with the black sun um in the past i've had people tell me that the black sun kind of functions as a, a, a type of portal um what was your experience yeah it's with- a type of viril energy they call it i think that had to do with the water base there because the only memory i have of going into the water there was um Preston Nichols tried to give me an interface or Peter Moon. He did a lot of rituals with kids there, a lot of Crowley stuff there with kids with the Cthulhu, but I actually did go in ships under the water, um, but it was terrifying because you had to be completely under uh, some kids. They'd give you adrenochrome and then they would get possessed by like a Nephilim spirit. So they could do these types of missions and be strong. There was some type of bell that they had underneath the water, like a huge stone or rock that we traveled to. And we were supposed to ring on the bell, like a dome. It kind of sounded like a hollow dome, but it had ancient inscriptions on it. Um, I think they're trying to bring it up to the surface or parts of it. And it had something to do with the black sun, but I'm not sure what, Um, but it's inverse light. Um, So the angels taught me actually how to uh, discharge and how to dislodge inverse light. Because what they do is they open up an area, they create a bunch of loose energy, and then that's all like congested and compacted inverse light. So you just flip that around and then God's light can come in and seal a place. And that's so interesting that you mentioned that. Okay, and of course, here I am hearing you use these terms and I'm like, ah, we deal with inverse light. So, one of the biggest sources of inverse light that I've had to deal with has has, has to do with Kabbalah, because exactly, yep. The 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 the, the I'm so fire, the limitless light of nothing, from which this counterfeit creative template descends, which is Kabbalah, which today often gets associated with the New Age, but really you find its source point in Jewish mysticism, which I believe happens to be canonized babylonian mystery religion perfected and yes with that the light that creates this counterfeit creative template which they use for the deepest darkest magic rituals and 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 templatizing of mind control slaves um comes from inverse light it's not genuine light it's actually that is an inverse light structure and all of those sephiroth 
which are like the Keter, the Bina, the Chakma going down that template are, 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 are essentially like these transformers is really the best way to look at it. They transform that inverse light going down the Kabbalah tree to Malkut, which is the base. And, and, and here, this same term, you're ascribing it to this black sun, um, which connects to the Nazi ideology. I, I mean, I'm just pinging all over the place, Jerusha. Wow. Yeah, those are the cliff offs. They want you to get stuck in those cliff offs, which is like a type of antimatter. So they're bringing in their their way where they can step into this reality with their antimatter and then defile an area. And when kids do favors for these beings, I found that's a way that they can stair step and get a foothold into the reality and then ground that that type of energy here. Um, so yeah, they program kids with like music there called Black Rain and it was all about the black sun. And um, that's why some of the Montauk boys went that way and then they became killers because they, um, you know, they accepted and kind of grafted into that type of ideology because they gave in and then they couldn't fight it. Look at that. So interesting. Um, for those of you that want to look that up, this I, I believe Israel. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Israel probably still has a base that they practice that Babylonian magic in. I've heard that there's a base right under Jerusalem, an underground base. Really? I'm pretty sure of it. It would not surprise me. Okay. So back quantum access programs <laughs> so all right these have to do with time travel which takes us to montauk and a lot of the stuff that's going on there montauk interfaces with sea bases black sites deep underground military anunnaki um other groups dealing with off-planet stuff my labs it, it all kind of converges uh the children involved were subjected to a lot of time travel involvement in other bodies including clone bodies you're kind of spelling all of this out for us abramovich was also there too she was Talk a kino's she was a kino's right hand and it's like they were brother and sister uh they we call them the false mama michael Aquino, marina abramovich um she was always walking around there with a red dress on and doing rituals in a barn there we call that the resident evil barn so it's interesting that not many kids also remember those two uh, working together there, but it kind of makes sense because they're both on the same type of agenda. And, you know, kind of like Podesta and Hillary Clinton go together. Well, those two do too. <laughs> now, um, most of us know Abramovich for the, the, the spirit cooking. Yeah. Now, can you tell me what the significance of that was from your perspective? Like she's in public doing these, like it, it's news. I mean, it, it's, a lot of people knew about that. So what was the real meaning of, of that? If you know. She never did the spirit cooking with me. Um, what I went through was very strange stuff in this um, resident evil barn with her. But as far as I know, the spirit cooking was, the use of blood, which they say was only pig's blood, but I'm sure it wasn't. Um, they would like put a human 
form on a table of food and then they would do a ritual over it, uh, try to invoke a spirit in that form and then eat the food or eat the cake or, or whatever in these weird types of rituals. But I, I never went through that with her. So I don't really think she got that far with me. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. So, so, uh, wow. But the, uh, also the Skull and Bones Society was out there too. Another element to throw in there. By that barn house, there was another house and they, they had actual skulls with candle wax dripping. And then they had these bodies laid out on like dilapidated hospital beds that were just barely keeping them alive, like vegetables. And that's where a lot of, you know, a lot of the zombie movies started coming out and all this stuff because some of that stuff actually was experimentation there. And Skull and Bones um, is a very sinister society. Of, it was always creepy old men in black and black glasses drinking and smoking cigars in this one particular area. Um, by the CIA compound back there, but they, they had uh, vegetable bodies back there of people. And on my seventh seal Facebook page, I show a little video about that. Look at that. Okay, so talk to me about um, Solaris 11. Solaris X1, yeah, that was X1. the benevolent part of the secret space program that right, I was so, involved with. So, so, okay, fantastic. Now, 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 this is the thing. I have historically, until more recently, been absolutely terrified. As most, I think, Christians that, that want to hold on to a biblical worldview for their dear life, when you mm -hmm. get into this conversation, um, at the idea that there are benevolent factions in a space context. First of all, accepting that there's stuff moving and happening outside of Earth atmosphere is a real stretch for some people. But even if you get beyond that, you say, ah, oh, okay, well, there's a bunch of spirits out there in the cosmic sphere, but let's just assume they're all evil. That's more comfortable. Right. But there's countless reports of what people describe as benevolent factions and I've heard them. And over the years, eventually I just start to say, okay, well, that's, that's what you experienced. That's what you saw. That's what happened. And I'm getting more comfortable with it personally, but I'm, 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 I'm very excited to let you explain your experience. Yeah. Well, this wasn't AI controlled because Mardi Gras, when he controlled in a sort of Hegelian dialect, Atlantean and Lemurian deep Luciferian space leagues, that he had the kids you know kidnapped on and was piloting i actually witnessed yahweh blowing that ship out of the air Whoa. <laughs> and this area is still highly like quarantined like you can't go take pictures of it or anything but um god has a say in in anything that happens in his creation and the faction that I got somehow involved with, um, like I said, it felt like like a little bit of justice that we got because we had went through such hell and so much mismanagement. And I've seen the deep Luciferian space leagues. I know what that's been like. And you feel like you are, you know, just thrown into nothingness out there and you'll never be found. But God is always there no matter where you are. 
um, they're not, this faction is not controlled by AI. Um, just like Space Force can be a good faction if you got sold humans with good hearts and good intentions and they dedicate that alignment to God. Um, yes, of course it can be used for good because he has authority over all things when you give him authority over anything. So what we did, we got to go around the world and we were sent into what was called the Clavin Wars, which we're good into later, but you know, that deals with like Vatican secrets, like werewolves and vampires and things through history, Masonic shapeshifters, that there is a Vatican spaceship that keeps a vault and a record of those things. Um, so, so it being a good faction allowed us to be able to go to ritual sites and to be able to stop those ritual sites, to take down buildings. Frank Lloyd Wright even was a sorcerer and a time hopper. So we got to take, and my dad was absolutely obsessed with him and his architecture. All of his architecture is dedicated to, um, to like South American type of Aztec sacrificial foundations. Frank Lloyd Wright was not a good person at all. I just want to throw that out there too. Okay. So we got to. <laughs> so you mentioned Frank Lloyd Wright, but I happen to know that Okay, I've been told that one of the houses he built over in California actually functions like there's a portal on that site through which you are able to access one of these evil councils of 13. It's actually oh, absolutely accessed from the Frank Lloyd Wright house site. Yeah, I think I know where that is too. Um, is that that probably connects to the Getty? Because the Getty underneath there, uh, that's a huge complex too. And that was just a hellish place in those tunnels. That whole place should just be lava poured into it or flushed out too, like they've been doing to some of the bases. My gosh. Okay, please continue. So what we got to do is shut down basically that, because if you give some of these places leeway, um, say like some really ancient castle that has just been doing the same things for like hundreds of years. That place is going to get too much momentum and it's going to destroy a whole area. So, you know, all the research and all the things that they learned from us and our NSA files and whatnot, we would be the anomalies that were sent into places or if a strange signature was detected or whatnot, um, kind of like supernatural series. So we would be able to shut down a place and be given uh, be given the ability to do that. So we, we did that all around the world. And, you know, so like I say, that was a good part of it. That was satisfying because for one, you got to save a lot of children. You got to, um, to stop those places from growing or branching off. You know, they didn't have any right or authority after that to continue what they were doing. Someday it's gonna happen to the Biltmore too and other places like that, but the time's not yet, but it's coming. And okay, so you say these were not AI controlled. Now, when you were dealing with Solaris X1, I mean, who is in charge or what? I mean, what, like, what's the governmental structure over something like that? Uh, well, it's beyond Space Force. Um, I can't really get into that right now. You're allowed okay. to talk about things in the past that have probable deniability. 
the supernatural events, but not current or classified information. Like people are misconceived about, you know, what Q is. Q is actually a code word for quantum projects as well, because it also has ties to the energy departments and Tesla technology. And that was actually born out of the 1700s. The first American cabal was born out of Quincy, Illinois, a bunch of uh, shape-shifting Freemasons that were there. So Q itself, that military branch was actually born out of the time travel program too. So there's a lot of disinformation and things that get thrown all over the internet as you know, data pockets to confuse people too. Wow. Okay. So 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 moving this conversation along, right? Um, <clears throat> quantum access programs, ties to time travel, ties to Montauk, ties to bases, underground, underwater, all of this child abductions off planet connections um and 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 you're getting bounced around different factions in your journey some are yeah and that's why my books are just written as the downloads happened because yeah. like my brain uh literally couldn't start unraveling until god's tender mercies started unraveling it little by little and my brain hurt for three days when i first started unraveling and I felt my temples unlock. So it's just like journal entries and it's not, you know, freshly formatted yet or whatever. It's just as is. So that's how it reads as the downloads came. Tell me about your perspective of the time continuum and how you encountered God in the time continuum. Well, it's what encapsulates um, everything about time, because time is a force that just keeps everything from not happening at once so that things can be as God wants them to unfold and to happen. Because what he sees in the looking glass in heaven, uh, not the looking glass technology is, is very different. And he sees all things at once, all time. He knows your beginning from your end and everything from point A to the end of it. So there's nothing that he can't see and he can go in, he can redeem your time. Um, he can meet you anywhere in time. And the kids at Montauk, what they found out was that when they thought that they were going to be disposed of in time, um, yeah, they do do things like that and tell you they can dispose of you in time or send time assassins in time, go sideways in time, um, all these threats to you know manipulate your future or your present. What the kids at Montauk found was that they met Yahushua, they met the Messiah, and they fell in love with him. And the Chosen series kids are those kids because, you know, it doesn't show any parents. They just appear out of nowhere. And instead of being disposed of in time, they met him instead. And he's the one who preserved their life. And because he's full of goodness, and that's his mercy and his grace. So a lot of times um, when you think that, or when I thought that I was having a very challenging time, I realized that he was in all matter in all space and there was nothing that was too threatening or that there's nowhere that he isn't is what I found um, because I would panic and I would freak out in situations and thinking, oh, I'm stuck behind a time wall or stuck behind this portal. What am I going to do now? Um, and he would comfort me. He would meet me there because you can call out to him anywhere you are, even if you're in a void space, even if you're fragmented somewhere or your body and spirit, like he can pull it all back together. He can make you whole. 
And so he does the same thing with full timelines. He can correct timelines and he's the author and finisher of everything. So the cabal always tries to go before their time and manipulate that because they know that their time is short, but he has the ability at any moment in time to step in and correct a timeline. And so he's used his children and taught them about techniques and things and what I call um, celestial mechanics that the angels taught us to be able to work with him to do that. If you've been stretched out in time and hurt in the time travel program, my God, there's nothing that he can't heal. Hmm. 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 That is so powerful. And I mean, that's exactly what I would tell him. I just, it's one thing for me to say it, and it's another thing for someone who has literally been in many bodies on and off planet and in many timelines to get to the end of that and say it too. Wow. Now, Jerusha, the next thing I want to have you tell to us about is galactic couriers. I, I want to talk about time assassins, men in black, fringe vaults, the Clavens, the Time Bureau. I mean, there's 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 some really, really uh, deep and necessary subjects that we, we have to continue this conversation into, but it looks like we're going to do that next time. All right. Oh, my. See, friends, you know that I, I, I do my best to give you the truth and the information and um, however... You also need a reason to come back. We're going to have Jerusha back and, and, and sooner rather than later and, and, and continue to unpack because there's just way too much here to unpack it all in one conversation. Thank you for being so brave. It's not easy to do what you're doing, Jerusha. Thank you for your time. It's all in his timing. I wouldn't have been able to do this four or five years ago, but now it's time. So I just encourage everybody to study Job 26, 14. And God will reveal to you a little bit more about the fringe because there's nothing too fringe for him. Friends, you have met Jerusha and you will meet her again until next time. God bless and Godspeed. Adios. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.